Grace and peace to you on the fifth day of Christmas. And FYI, the fifth day of Christmas this year is also uh, Sean's and Griffin's first anniversary. And so let's congratulate them on a year of marriage behind them. And now with that happy moment out of the way, we turn to one of the most disturbing scriptures apart from the passion narrative. There's an instructional video that has something of a cult following. It's called Don't Shake Hands with Danger, produced by a company that used a lot of heavy equipment. And the video itself is 20 to 25 minutes of how just in ordinary ways men and women going about their regular jobs can shake hands with danger and it goes into vivid, vivid uh, demonstration of what can happen if you forget to follow the safety protocols and you shake hands with danger. The New Testament also encourages us not to shake hands with danger and yet it also recognizes that danger is out there. It also recognizes that this world is not always a benign place. That there are powers. In some cases, they are known as principalities. That are against us and all that is good and godly. Today... As we've celebrated the birth of Jesus, we are reminded that three of these characters here at the Nativity are sometimes called wise men, but they did something that was pretty dumb. They went before King Herod and they said, hey, we hear that a new king has been born. And Herod is like, new king? I'm the king. And I choose who comes after me. What do you mean, new king? And so the, quote, wise men end up saying, well, we've seen this celestial observation that we have made, and and we know that someone has been born that is important and that will be the king of the Jews. And Herod says, the king of the Jews? Hmm. Go find him. Come back and tell me where he is so that I may go and (laughs) worship him. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel from Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. Jesus has been born. This is the sequel to the wise men's encounter with Herod. Now, after they had left, the Magi... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt. And they remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. 
When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, according to the time he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord... Use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Joy to the world. Glory to God in the highest and on peace and on earth peace to those of goodwill. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Away in a manger, joy to the world. All of these songs that we have sung again and again in the past few days and weeks and for those who are ill, months, starting even before October 31st, Prior to Advent, we sing these songs, these beautiful songs, these amazing songs, but all throughout this scene lurks the specter of Herod in the background. The Magi have come to Herod, have told Herod they've come to worship a king, Herod and all Jerusalem with him are alarmed, are frenzied, and wonder what this could mean, and Herod hatches a plan. Now, in case you're wondering if this guy Herod is just having a bad day, or if it is a character flaw, this is Herod the Great. He had one of his wives murdered. He invited his brother-in-law, who he thought might be too popular, over for a swim. Had him drowned in his swimming pool. He had two of his sons, Alexander and Aristobulus, executed because he was afraid that they would become more popular than him. And Herod was one of these people for whom death did not come by surprise. 
He knew that he was ill and he knew that he was dying. And Herod the Great did something that would make even those Machiavellian leaders of our own time seem tame. He filled up the stadium in Jericho with men. And he gave the order. He gave the order that when he died, the news was to be taken to this hippodrome, this, this stadium in Jericho, and all of the men would be murdered. He was so unpopular that he wanted to ensure that there would be weeping on the day that he died. This is Herod the Great. This is Herod who is disturbed by the news that the king of the Jews had been born. This is Herod who would go to any length to be sure that there was no one else who was a threat to his rule on the throne. Herod lurks in the background. And dear Christians, we know that in a fallen world, in this world where you and I live and move and work and raise our families and have friendships and enter into relationship, in a fallen world, evil prowls, evil prowls all around us. There's this wonderful line in First Peter, discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. In a fallen world, immorality prowls around. In a fallen world, the strong overpower the weak. In a fallen world, hatred and violence become normalized. In a fallen world, we settle into this kind of groupthink as opposed to reason and ethical judgments. In a fallen world, we recognize that even our moments of joy and victory are threatened by the evil, the deceit, that are around us. And so, the church recognizes this in, in, for example, our baptismal vows. The first baptismal vows that are taken are, are these two. Number one, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, now pay attention to this comprehensive list of evil that we as Christians say we turn our backs on. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, those you can't see, those that exert a kind of power over you that you can't quite put your finger on? Do you renounce those spiritual forces of wickedness? Do you reject the evil powers of this world, the powers of the world that tell you that you're better than someone that speaks another language, that your life is more important than the life of another who is different from you, the evil powers of this world that somehow 
somehow cause us to overlook the pain and the hurt that other people experience, the evil powers of this world that cause us to go astray. And do you repent of your own sin? Now, now pay attention to what's happening here. The spiritual forces of wickedness, the, the evil powers of this world, and then our own personal, our own personal sins. We reject all three. We reject in a comprehensive way the evil that Herod represents. The malignness that all of the world has taken on since the fall. The second baptismal question, though, reminds us that we don't do this on our own. The person who is baptized then asks, then answers this question that I or the pastor asks, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? We say no to the evil and embrace the good, but we recognize that when we say no and we embrace godliness, that we cannot do it on our own. The freedom and the power that God gives to us are the only ways that we can live a life that is remotely known as Christian. The specter of Herod stands menacingly and murderously in in Bethlehem's shadows, Behind every nativity scene, behind every nativity scene is this possibility of death and destruction. This sorrow and sadness that counterbalances the joy and the gladness. Paul says this, I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. When I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. Folks, when you're determined to to be honest in business, there are all kinds of opportunities for corruption that will present themselves. I had a business class one time where, where we had this lecture how to be ethical in business, i.e., stay out of jail. When you've decided, when you've decided to work on a relationship that's, that's broken, mend a friendship, all of a sudden a thousand distractions will come your way that will keep you from doing so. When you've decided to become a disciple of Jesus, there is something or someone that will encourage you to put it off just a little longer. When you want to turn from sin and embrace the goodness of the God who made you, there will be danger. The good news is that God is Emmanuel, God with us. 
God identifies with us in the incarnation. God comes to us as a baby in Bethlehem. God is with us. But always Herod and his destructive power stand in the background. Threatening. Looming. Reminding us that where God brings life, the powers of evil would bring death and destruction. And it's only as God with us guides us and directs us that we will navigate the dangers each of us must face. We've celebrated Christmas. This joyous reminder that God is with us. God is with us because we are people who need saving and who need a Savior. God is with us in a world that is broken and pain-filled. God is with us in an existence where the good is constantly under attack by that which would prevent the good from coming into being. And your life and my life as Christians, we know. We know that the moment that we have decided to follow Jesus, there are a hundred other things that come our way. We know that when we try to do the good, the evil lies close at hand. We know. We know that Caesar, that Herod, that those things that call for our allegiance don't always like for our allegiance to be with Jesus Christ. We know. But God is with you. God is with you and has promised never to leave you or forsake you. God is with you and will help you navigate the dangers of Herod and Caesar, the dangers of this struggle to live well in a world that is broken, the dangers of leaving unfinished the business that God calls us to complete. God is with us. And dear friend, God is with you. God is with you in the midst of the danger. Whether that danger is physical, emotional, spiritual, worldly, or whether it's the danger of the sin that lurks deep within your own heart, God is with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.